Arena Crafties, we bring to you another breaking news announcement fresh off the presses, specifically in the historic format. Things are being shaken up in unprecedented ways. Another attack on the format that we never saw coming. It's thrilling and we are here to report to you live on all of the details. I'm joined today by Covert Gohil. How are you doing? I am on the scene! Out in the field right now, it is absolutely going nuts. It was foretold in an epic Super Bowl commercial, which is kind of a shocking way. Nobody believed it actually implied the end of the world, but it in fact did. And now things are banned in historic and in boomer formats, of which I couldn't tell you what is actually legal in any way. And on top of all of this, rules for cards I don't play with are changing, and I don't know how to feel about it. Thank you. Thank you, Covert Gohil, for that report from the field. Yes, we took the tapes, we played them backwards, we interpreted the hidden information in, in these commercials, and we came up with this fresh report that we have for you today. And so, my friends, banned in historic, and almost everywhere else as well, <laughs> Uro, Titan of Nature's Wrath. The giant is getting the boot, CGB. It's happening. <laughs> I, I, that was the sound I made in my videos when people were just uroing me over and over. It felt so <laughs> slow and long and painful. And there was that meme of Siren Head that it reminded me of. Like, oh, God. Yeah. The game just slows down. <laughs> Nothing good is going to happen for you ever again in this game of Magic. And now... That is mostly over. The card is banned, according to this, in historic, pioneer, modern, apparently fine for legacy. <laughs> it's it's in consideration. It's in consideration for legacy. They're gonna <laughs> they're gonna monitor the situation. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, I I just they made a card that on raw power level got banned in all these formats i it it's i shouldn't of, be surprised anymore and i still am i still am yeah it's it's kind of unbelievable i mean the things the things that oro does well i don't think there's anything oro doesn't do well like it's just you know it's like if your opponent's milling you yeah great oro's good at that if your opponent is aggroing you oro's good at that if your opponent's controlling you oro's good at that too uh, if you're milling yourself, Oro is great. I mean, it's just uh, if you're cheating it out somehow, it's freaking. You know, if you're doing like your little stupid little um, hushbringer combo or whatever. I mean, it's just like, where is the card not good? I mean, it's just, there's just nothing. There's just nothing. I've, I've got no answer for you. <laughs> it's not that good when it's an elk. Okay, there you go. Oh, it only gained six life and drew two cards. <laughs> And cleaned your graveyard if that's a thing, but yeah. let let let's just let's just take a second and appreciate that the other card that had to be banned freaking everywhere actually got banned from Legacy. Oko Thief of Crowns. Yes, in the same yes. announcement, took the ban hammer in Legacy, and I I just the fallout, man. The fallout from the era of who gives a crap if things are pushed is yeah. still going. It's still going. 
Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, in that same legacy ban announcement, they also have Arkham's Astrolabe and Dreadhorde Arcanist being banned from the legacy format. Both of those cards printed in, in the last couple of years. So yeah, man, I mean, it's, you can just really tell like the power level has the, the, the power level push of the fire design philosophy has really just like burned across every format in magic. Yep, they just lit their own game on fire. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> I, Indeed they did. I, I will I think I will always wonder if this was reckless, careless, or calculated. Mm. I don't think I'll ever know the answer. And I think I'll always wonder, because it tells me so much about like it as, as consumers, as people on the outside, we're not entitled to that answer. That's something I yeah. wanna point out like yeah we we don't get to demand the answer to the, that question but we can't help but wondering it because we try to make sense of our universe and <laughs> I, it's true it, yeah. it's what our brains are trained to do yeah and we can't i cannot make sense of eldraine war of the spark and uh specifically uro because i think everything else in theros is fine they should just print it Uro and Eldraine, and I think, <laughs> oh, oh yeah, and companions without taxes. You know, I, like yeah. these things will never make sense to me. Yeah. Speaking of which, um, there was one vintage unbanning, and it was actually Laris of the Dream Den becoming unbanned in vintage. So they give they're giving it a shot. You know, they're giving it a shot. Now that it's been nerfed, maybe it's fine. But yeah, mm. I mean, if if you play formats that aren't on Arena. Um, this, this banned and restricted announcement is huge. Like, I mean, this, th these effects ripple out and touch pretty much every other, like, non-casual magic format. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's a really big ban announcement. And honestly, you know, if we were focused on the broader world of magic, we'd have an incredible amount to talk about today. But, you know, as, as it is, we're mostly gonna just try and stay focused on Arena because we know that that's what all of y'all are playing. But it is, it's very interesting. I would definitely recommend if you're, if you have an interest in like the greater world of magic, I would definitely read down this list because let, I mean, let's just take a quick, uh, just a quick look before we go focus deep, right? And, and I'm looking specifically at cards that, let's say cards that were printed in the last two years. So in Pioneer, we have Teferi Time Raveler, Band, Oro Titan of Nature's Wrath, Wilderness Reclamation. These are all recent cards. Now, don't know about these. Yeah, these other cards look older to me. And their banning is um, Balustrade Spy and Undercity Informer, I believe, have a lot to do with the double-faced lands and yeah. the Oops All Spells in Pioneer. Exactly. Like, just a targeted banning of a, a ridiculous deck that, like, Tybalt's Trickery shouldn't exist. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And then in Modern, again, we have Field of the Dead. It's M20, Mystic Sanctuary, which, you know, hasn't been doing much in Standard or Historic, but which has been tearing up some of these older formats. Eldraine. Yep, both Eldraine. And Eldraine freaking common. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> one, of, one of these cycle of common lands is not like the others. Uh, then we also have Tybalt's Trickery, which I know, I know, I know. 
I know. All of you arena heads were hoping that this would get banned from one of our arena formats. <laughs> You're gonna have to go back to modern to see the Tibbles trickery ban. But you know, but there it is, there it is, folks. And then of course, again, Oro, Titan of Nature's Wrath. So again, that's one, two, three, four. Four out of the five cards banned in modern printed in the last two years. And that is a new Tibbles trickery in modern, that is a new printing that didn't make it a week from official release <laughs> yeah exactly what? people are just what? over it they're they're just over getting freaking tibbleton or, or i guess it's probably emrakul right it's probably emrakul people that, are that is what it yeah trickery cheats out emrakul in modern yeah. which takes another turn blows up all their permanence and ends the game yeah exactly <laughs> Um, so then moving on, in Legacy, we have uh, Arkham's Astrolabe, Dreadhold Arcanist, and Oko Thief of Crowns, all cards printed in the last couple of years. Um, yeah, and then of course, in Vintage, Laris of the Dream Den. So I mean, just like the, the power level of these cards when you read down the list is just shocking. I mean, it's just literally shocking. Um, yep. So anyway, uh, but, but CGB, let's go back to Historic because I know that this is what most of our listeners are going to be interested in. Um, first of all, before we go into the details of what's, what's really going to happen here, um, I know that you had some thoughts on how this Oro ban was revealed to the world because, of course, today wasn't the first that we any of us heard of it. So take us into, you know, what happened there and how you felt about it. Sure. So the way that the world found out that Uro was going to be banned today, Monday, the 15th of February, is that there was an announcement for a secret layer made uh, for Valentine's Day weekend. Uh, it, a bunch of Valentine's Day secret layers. Uh, pretty cool looking cards, to be honest. Kind of nice. But if you scroll down the announcement, and I mean down the announcement, I mean you're like four-fifths to the bottom of a very long announcement with a lot of art and a lot of text and a lot of themat- thematic stuff and a lot of colors on these special printings of cards. Eventually, eventually you come way down to the bottom and you get to the Simic part and it has this lovely, and I mean lovely, Uro, Titan of nature's wrath with special art as one of the cards that you can get also in the same thing is a primeval titan um and then if 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 you aren't blinded by the gorgeousness of these cool arts and there is a price tag you know you read the price and you're like holy crap uro is worth like way more than that like way more than that these this is 24.99 non-foil 34.99 foil so i am already setting my calendar and setting aside about 500 dollars to invest yeah. this 35 dollars <laughs> in about a hundred dollars worth of cards and get a just like an insane return right but if you read all the text about stomping your opponents with these blue green titans and you get to the bottom it says note we are planning an upcoming BNR announcement. In that announcement, we plan to ban Uro in Pioneer, Modern, and Historic, and we're having discussions about doing the same in Legacy. Uh, wait, what? I was... 
I was reading an ad about special art products, one of which was this insane card that you were selling to the world. And and hidden just in there as a little block of text, it is correct and right for them to do this. They yeah. should not put out this kind of thing and then ban it a few days later. Uh, that would be you, scum. Can you imagine the rage? I mean, can you even imagine? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean... People would be mad. But at the same time, you can't help but look at this as a bizarre transcendence of what we consider Magic the Gathering and our relationship with Wizards of the Coast, where they said, you know what gets the most traffic of all the things we release on our website? Ban announcements. Restricted announcements, indeed. Now, if you really want to be in on it, guys... You've got to read every single dirty little secret layer announcement. <laughs> You've got to look through those for the ones that are getting banned, man. You got to find them. You got to dig it out to yeah. be the ones in the know. Imagine, imagine like the MTG finance person who read this first and just like sell. Just like scramble so, 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 to e- so. eBay and TCG Player and just like, <laughs> like it's you know on the phone, right? Sell, 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 sell. <laughs> Dump the euros, eliminate the euros. I, uh, yeah. yeah, and I don't know what kind of tilt. What what is stuck in my head more? Again, we try to make sense of our reality. They must have been preparing this before they knew Euro was getting banned. Like art had to be arranged. Graphics had to be made. You know, pricing had to be done. Cards had to not be ordered. They can be printed in this case. They can move quicker this way. But I don't feel like they absolutely knew this was coming, but maybe they did. And like from both sides, if they didn't know it was coming, they were going to sell a premium card across multiple formats, an all-star, a must-have to compete in those formats. For a very low price directly to consumers. Well, that is crazy. W- here's, here's what it makes me wonder, though, okay? It makes me wonder. I mean, you're right. The timing is everything on this, and it does take, it takes a lot longer than you might think for them to, you know, conceive of the product, commission the art, you know, get yes. the cards printed, all that kind of stuff. So it really does take a long time. But it, it makes me wonder whether they designed the price with the banning in mind right? Because they didn't have to reveal the price until now. So maybe they had a different price point slated for the product. Or here's another thought. It could have just been them throwing a bone, right? It could have just been them saying, look, Oro's played in all of these older formats. Let's, you know, let's just give a chance to get some more of them in circulation. Now, having said that, uh, watching them with the Fetchland reprints and various other things in the secret layers, they've definitely not priced those to move. So mm-hmm. it makes me think that the price of this product was probably much higher when they when they first designed it. If you chill, like, I, I would kind of believe with you, but if you roll up, this is a series, right? I mean, yeah. there is the Rakdos series. Like, all the, isn't all the pricing the same? I, I could be wrong. No, but I guess you're right. I, I guess it, I, like, well, it's it's similar. Right? It's close. It's close. Yeah. It's similar. The Rakdos I mean, one's if, actually. Oh no, this is a different one. Yeah, yeah. but um, if the Euro one was just eighty dollars or a hundred dollars, wouldn't you? I mean, that's that's like a fleecing man. It, yeah, it's it's definitely an indictment of and also an acknowledgement of the secondary market, which Wizards claims not to do. So you're right. Like if if there was a drastic 
price differential between like the Rakdos Titan package and the Simic Titan package, it definitely would raise some eyebrows for sure. And on top of that, now if you are a third party, like it, like if you are a thir- one of the secondary market participants, like you are actively selling singles, buying singles, like this seems like the biggest message so far that you are not safe. (laughs) Because, I mean, one of two things was going to happen. They were going to print this and sell it probably at an absurdly low price and really cut the price of Euro, like just chop it by 60 to 70% overnight. Or two, you're going to ban it anyway. (laughs) Like either way, like your powerful cards are not safe in that market. I guess that's something they've always dealt with. But this one, the the idea that they might just sell it out from under you is kind of scary. It should be anyway. It's so interesting, though, because, okay, now I say this as a a pauper who doesn't contain that many valuable magic cards. But what do you say to the people who think, you know, CGB, this is a good thing. This is the democratization of magic. This is bringing more powerful cards into the hands of people who maybe can't oh, afford yeah. to just buy a playset of Oros on the secondary market, right? Like, what, what do I you say it. to those people? I love it. Yeah. And, like, me personally, I, this doesn't bother me. I'm just trying to put out there that it is a bit of... Like, it is the biggest sea change with Secret Layer to date where they're saying we're not just going to reprint fun squirrel-themed cards. We're... <laughs> We're going to put the power in your hands. And if they tomorrow released a secret layer for $2.99 with reprints of the five Moxen, like, <laughs> and, and just obliterated the reserve list, I would be all for it, 100%. And I would get it. And they would make a fortune doing it. Oh, and it would be more than anybody killing. could. Oh my gosh. It yeah. would, and if they had to settle a lawsuit with the people who invested because of <laughs> the reserve list, they would make their money back in a week. Yeah. Yeah, that that would be the best-selling, probably the best-selling magic product of all time. Yeah. yeah, so that's just an example of what they could do. Right. And it's on the table. I, I don't care what people say about believing in the reserve list or not. I think something like this puts it on the table. Yeah. I As someone who has, you know, come back to the game in my later years and who didn't have, like, some amazing collection from the past... I am all for it. I mean, as a game, I'm all for people just having access to the cards. Now, I can understand, you know, if you're someone who has spent, you know, thousands, tens of thousands, or even hundreds of thousands of dollars investing in magic cards as collectibles, I can understand why something like that would would bring you grave consternation. However, um, it, I think it's just like any other market right? Where, you know, you invest in collectibles and there's no guarantee that they're going to stay as rare as they were when you bought them. You know, I mean, it's like, it's like, I mean, you know, the stock market is, is of course a huge focus of the current discourse at the moment because of all of the, you know, GameStop stuff, but it's kind of like the stock market. You can't invest in a stock thinking that it's going to be a good deal. And then, you know, complain and try to cut, you know, put, put someone's head on a pike if the sea change doesn't go your way, right? So I don't think it's reasonable for people to think just because I invested this money in the secondary market, which Wizards, you know, ultimately doesn't... Con- I mean, people can argue they do or they don't, right? But but I think Wizards in an ideal world would like to just be able to, you know, 
print whatever cards they want and sell them at whatever price point they want to sell them at. And to be clear, there will always be a market for the originals. Like, That's look true. at the way baseball and comics work. Like, yeah, you can get, like, a reprinting of a, a, a somebody's rookie card, and you can get a reprinting of the first edition of these various comic books, but it doesn't have the same value to a collector that an original would. But it probably won't be the same. Should Black Lotus, should an unlimited Black Lotus be, like, $15,000? Or should more people get a chance to play a freaking Black Lotus in their life? I, I I know how I feel about it. Yeah. So I I like and I I agree with you. I mean I like the idea that people who care about the originals can still and who have invested in the originals that you know their investment remains right. And then meanwhile yeah. other people can spend a lot of money. You know, not as not nearly as much money, but still a lot of money to get their hands on these cards and Wizards gains from that, too. So I agree. I think there's a world in which it can stay being a win win. But, yeah. you know, <laughs> this is the, the, I, I think we're now getting out of our depth. Uh, <laughs> I think a lot of people enjoy it, though. I, I, yeah. I think that this is kind of fun discussion. I, we, we can steer away. The last thing I'll say is that the um, the aficionados, they can go often they can play their revised and earlier only format where it takes them like two hours to shuffle their deck very, very carefully in their quad sleeves. And they can just sit in their own corner and battle each other if that's what they really want in life. <laughs> yeah, you know, Andre, just call up your pal Andrea Mangucci and uh, get that all lined up. All right, well, uh, so yeah, something Andrea Mangucci is probably not going to be very happy about is this Oro banning in Historic. So let's talk, and of course, let's also note here now, no, no one was expecting this card to come back into circulation, but Omnath Locus of Creation has also been officially banned from Historic. It was suspended before, but that's not really news to anyone. So let's talk about Oro in Historic. Now, there's actually been a lot of discourse in the Twitterverse and probably elsewhere in the Magicverse about the role of Sultai decks in Historic. And basically, it's just been a lot of argument of various people, especially kind of like pro-level players really invested in Historic, saying, yo, Sultai actually hasn't been putting up fantastic results in the format. And that, you know, there may be no need to ban Oro. And in addition, it might actually hurt an otherwise kind of functional archetype in the format in Sultai by banning the card. So there were a lot of people who actually didn't feel like Oro needed to be removed from Historic for that reason. They didn't feel like any particular Oro deck was putting up the results that, you know, it's not, it's not, win percentage isn't the only thing that Wizards considers, but it's probably the most important factor when they're thinking about banning a card. So what do you think about that whole discussion, CGB? Well, I think that there are two things that come to mind. First of all, may, win rate is something that they should consider a lot, but whether or not a deck is winning can't define whether or not a deck is fun to play against, whether or not it occupies a space in the format that makes sense, and whether or not it just suppresses all the other archetypes, right? Like, what mid-range deck can you play in Historic that doesn't play Uro? Uh, it's a it's a great question <laughs> to which there is There's, not a good answer <laughs> there, there is no white 
mid-range deck. There is no red mid-range deck unless you count like something team or there. Yet it, it's there's no black mid-range deck except for Sultice because you have to pair it with Uro. I yeah. I just maybe, feel like maybe maybe some people consider John Sacrifice a mid-range deck. That's kind of mm, my only my only it, thought it, on that. Not in historic. That is a. I mean, maybe the Trail of Crumbs Corvold version was, but yeah. in historic, the Collected Company version, Dreadhorde Butcher, like that's aggro. Mm-hmm. You're, you have to get them dead, and you know it. That's that's right. They've moved away from Bolus's Citadel as a, as a win con, for example. And that deck is primarily playable because of Claim the Firstborn, which is primarily playable because of Uro. <laughs> that's a good I, point. <laughs> yep. So Case what are we doing? Yeah. Yep. I, I, I just... I think, it, I think it had to go. I, that's my first point, is like you think of all the things that's keeping out of the format the second point is there's more cards coming name a card that's not good with uro well let, uh, uh, <laughs> i sorry to interrupt you here cgb but i i wanted to just address that point of you know the mid-range decks do you think because some people are implying that removing oro from the format effectively just removes mid-range from the format what do you like what do you think about that argument I think that mid-range exists, has existed throughout the history of Magic across multiple formats without needing a broken card in the middle <laughs> of it at all times. Uh, mid-range should be all about the choices. The choices of whether or not to target aggro with your main deck or your sideboard. What is the good top end that can compete while still staying lean enough to get under other top ends? Like, how do you disrupt control decks? All of these things. Uro... I, I think people saying Uro didn't need to be banned got really lazy because you just had infinite card advantage and a way to dunk on control and aggro all tied into a single card that you just threw in every deck no matter what. And midrange has had to make trade-offs and sacrifices to be the best and to be well-positioned in the past. And uh, it usually is. Like, there was, before Uro was printed... You might remember there was like the Sultai mid-range deck that was like Hydroid Crisis and Find Finality and Explore Creatures like Jade Light Ranger and things like that. And I remember I played Sean McLaren in a tournament known Just Guy Control Mage and we talked about his deck choice and how I was disappointed. And he's like, it's just the way cards are now. It's the way magic is now. Mid-range is always the best in best of three in tournaments because you can just fully adapt into what you need to be with the sideboarding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And th- that was without Uro. That was pre-Uro. That was the state of things before. Uro just said, you know what? You can hose anything you want to, anytime you want to. Yeah, no, it's true. And I think one of the the things that this highlights as well is that Uro is not a fun card to try to answer, right? It's like, in fact, Claim the Firstborn is probably one of the best answers to a card like that. Because, I mean, what are the other things you can do? Like, are you going to bring in graveyard hate against your opponent's Sultai deck? Like, they don't care. They're just going to Nissa you to death. You know, it doesn't really slow them down. So graveyard hate's not a good answer to Uro. And then, you know, if 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 you're not going to use graveyard hate, then you probably just have to make peace with the fact that Uro is just going to come back again and again and again. 
And so, you know, how else do you deal with it? Maybe you ECD it, right? But your opponent already got value out of it. And they just play another one. I mean, they, you know, at, when when does someone only play one Oro in a, <laughs> in a game of Magic? I mean, the whole problem with Oro is that it prolongs the game so that you can find your other Oros, and it gives you the mana to c easily cast your other Oros once you top deck them. And we've all seen these play patterns where your opponent already has an Oro in the graveyard, they top deck another one, they can trip it, they play out a land, they play another spell, and all of a sudden they filled their graveyard again and they're getting back, you know, one of them. So it, it creates these really tiresome play patterns, and it's just not a fun card to strategize against. And then, you know, if you if you put too much effort into answering Uro, then you're just gonna fall prey to all of the other various ways that these decks have to kill you. So it's kind of like a it's a self-contained problem and your answers to it often don't hit the other things that you really want. You know, I mean, let's say you, so, so you bought into like, a, you put a couple ECDs in your deck, right? And you ECD that Oro, and then they just play Hydroid Crisis, and you're, you're staring down at this other ECD in your hand, and you're just wondering where it all went wrong. Um, so it just there are so many situations like that in which it highlights the fact that the card is too powerful to ignore, and too difficult to answer efficiently. And I think that those two things make it into a very, very frustrating card to have to deal with in an ongoing way. And just from a, a perspective of what do you want Magic to gather, Magic the Gathering to be? Do you want it to be a diverse range of experiences? Because I think they printed the best answer to Uro yet in Valky, God of Lies. Mm. But what does it do? It Uro's more. <laughs> there will still be Uro on the... Like, the game will still come down to the freaking Uro animation. You know? Yeah. It's, I, like, enough. Enough is enough. And it's time for a change. <laughs> well, and so, so this brings us back around to the second excellent point that you were making, right? Which is that the historic card pool is only going to expand. It's only going to move closer to resembling a format like Pioneer, which Oro was just banned from because it's just too annoying to deal with. So so I'd love to hear a bit more of your thoughts of where, where you were going when you were bringing that up. Yeah, uh, we, it, we've had similar complaints lately in Standard that, well, every creature is great with Great Henge and every creature is great with Embercleave. So the only thing we need to look at when evaluating a new set like Kaldheim is what creatures go well with Embercleave and Great Henge better. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, Historic's not going to change from that point. What cards, what spells go well with Uro? Because it's basically spells do their thing, then go to the graveyard. And then Uro comes back. Again. And again. And again. And I, it's just going to be a never-ending cycle when evaluating historic cards of, like, how do they pair against Uro? Do they get rid of Uro? No, nothing does. Uh, do they just lose when Uro resolves? Yeah, they probably do. Or do they go well with Uro? I, I mean, they're a spell. Yes, they go well with Uro. Like, that, that is so tiresome. That gets so obnoxious and frustrating because it takes all of the nuance out of magic itself. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it's just, uh, it, it's kind of interesting how, okay, we look at a card like Oko, which is just the raw power level of Oko is so egregious that, you know, we had to get rid of it. So that's one thing. But Oro is a different beast, man. Oro is like, <clears throat> how do I put it, man? It's so, 
it's so flexible, it's so versatile, it's so hard to deal with permanently, it's so hard to answer. And so it, it can't be bad. Yeah, exactly. It's like impossible. There's no metagaming around it. <laughs> so it's almost like um I think of like Oko as like the 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 first terminator prototype right where it's just like this really strong robot that you need to deal with and then oro is like the second terminator prototype which is basically made of mercury and there's just like nothing you can ever do to touch it and so these are two different problems but they both needed to be eradicated for their various reasons um so here's here's a question that i have then cgb what do you say to the people who are saying, who were already before saying, and who are now probably going to be saying, okay, well, you took away Oro from the format, so now we're just going to have Rakdos or Jun running rampant, or we're just going to have Auras running rampant, or we're just going to have, uh, you know, some of these other top, you know, maybe goblins, right, just running rampant in the format. What do you say to people making that argument? Like, do you think that they should have banned other cards, or... Do you think that the banning of RO has thrown the format into imbalance? Uh, I would say let's go. Let's let's sleeve up and play some matches. I because now it feels like you can hate on those things more directly. Uh, a card like Grafdiger's Cage, right, doesn't let Uro come back, but it doesn't, it doesn't stop the value on the way in. And if you're a control deck playing a Grafdiger's Cage against Uro, they still get ahead of you in land, and they still get a card when they cast it the first time. And that's part of why, like I said, Uro can't be bad. Um, but a card like Muxus is a 6-mana 4-4 four four with a Grafdiger's Cage and no value. Um, and your the cat stays in the yard, you know, things like that. So just, I, I'm interested to see, because I think that more than anything, it, it seems like Uro really held down aggro, but I, I really feel like it held control down a lot. And maybe that's because I am a control mage, but I could never just chill. You know, I, I could never take control of a game against these kinds of decks with Uro. It was always we trade, we trade, we trade, we trade and Uro. And I guess I lose. And the fact that you could always play that game meant control just really couldn't do much in the long game without drawing perfectly. And now it can focus. I I am still surprised that things like Muxus are fine and Winota is not. Uh, the, the Rakdos Sacrifice deck is amazing, but I believe it can be hated on, and I think it has successfully been hated on before. And I think that the format should, like, we should give it a shot. We should kick back and see what happens. Why not? Why not play this format with a card banned? I don't think anything else stands so far above everything that it needs to be banned right this minute. Well, and you're right. I think as well that it's not like Oro was particularly keeping any one archetype firmly in check, necessarily. And like you said, perhaps it's put control back on the map to have Oro out of the format. So perhaps, I mean, they always hope with these ban announcements that they're actually going to increase the diversity of the format. So I mean, let's hope, you know. I, I also feel... I mean, okay, first of all, I feel hopeful because I feel like Oro is just... It's just not a card you can have 
in in your competitive format like that's my opinion period i just think that the card yeah outside of something like vintage or maybe legacy which are just so degenerate that it just kind of blends in it's just welcome to the team but i feel like for any other format it's just it's just a dumb card you know let's just get it out of there and uh, you just you can't you can't make any reasonable argument basically you just can't make a good argument for keeping it in right so what else would you ban what else would i ban yeah it's a good question if you had to so it's really interesting because i think for a lot of people moxus would definitely be next on the chopping block people just hate that card man they just hate that card so much um but after having played historic a fair amount i'm not super up on it right now but uh definitely in the last couple of months i've played a fair amount of historic and i think that most decks have the tools that they need to keep goblins in check you know when you really come down to it goblins is not a very complex deck and while they do have an incredible amount of card advantage potential there are definitely a number of ways that you can basically just, you know, bring bring the deck to heal. You can you can make the deck feel like a, a very bad little puppy. Um, so I think that re- like a, a mature assessment of the format, a kind of a, an emotionally unladen assessment of the format, I think reveals that Moxus is ultimately fine. I think I definitely agree with you that it is a little bit laughable that a card like Winota has not been unbanned in light of a card like Muxus existing. Um, maybe we could see a little bit more diversity in the format by un- unbanning Winota. I think that would probably be fine. So, uh, so ultimately, I don't. I don't really think that Muxus needs to go. Um, and honestly, I don't think that these Rakdos lists are, are, or, or these John lists, any of these sacrifice lists, are too strong either. I do. It is kind of weird. Uh, the card being added to the format that I don't understand why they added, and I think you could make an argument for banning, is um, the the tower. What's it called? Phyrexian Tower. Phyrexian Tower. Yeah. I I think that that's a card which was just like, why did we need to bring like modern or legacy into our historic format? I that. That printing didn't really make sense to me. I think that if you hadn't printed that card and or if you removed that card from the format, all of these sacrifice archetypes would still be totally fine, but they would just, they'd be lacking one of their most compelling reasons to play the archetype. And so I actually wouldn't, I wouldn't be sad to see the Phyrexian Tower go. I think that that could be like a subtle but important tweak in the power level of the metagame. What do you think of Collected Company? Uh, Coco. <laughs> okay, so here's the deal. Coco is it's basically the Muxus and Winota problem, right? I think it's less an issue with Coco and more an issue with this like look at the top six design space uh, that they've just been exploring in the last number of years of Magic. Basically turning Magic from being this kind of game of of edges and angles into a slot machine kind of a game because the the floor and the ceiling of cards like this is so there's such a massive disparity i mean these cards can either win the game on the spot or basically lose the game on the spot uh 
depending on how well you pull and depending on how well the things that you pull match up with what's happening in the game. So I, I, I less take issue with that and any one of those single cards being in the format and more an issue with just the design space. I don't ultimately think that that level of variance in one magic card is that fun in magic. And I think that it's the same reason why people are kind of pissed about Tybalt's trickery. Because while I don't think that Tybalt's trickery matches the power level of any of those other cards that we've spoken about, it still produces the feels bad when the range on casting it goes to, you know, casting a zero cost card that has no effect on the game to casting a, you know, 10 mana card, which immediately wins you the game. I don't think that that's a good design space to be expanding on in Magic. So I guess that's kind of a philosophical answer to what may have been a nuts and bolts question from you. Yeah, pretty much. I my my biggest thing with collected company is it feels like there's a whole range of cards that are just probably never going to get played because they cost four mana or they're like two or one mana but aren't the best two and one mana that are great hits off collected company and that it feels like so many decks need to become collected company decks and the mana supports it like i i i just feel like i i see it's mono white aggro but with collected company it's <laughs> gruel beat down but with collected company it's blue white spirits but with collected company it's yeah. jun sacrifice now featuring collected company <laughs> and i just it, it get it makes every deck kind of a flash deck with this random element and it just constricts deck building it makes spells less playable so it's not my, it, it's obviously a card I would be biased against, but I was mm. curious what you thought. Yeah, I I do agree. It's so interesting because you could argue that it has a homogenizing effect on the format. However, you could also argue that it puts on the table archetypes that were potentially not playable without it. So I think like, like Bant Spirits might be a good example of a deck that just probably wouldn't even be in consideration as a contender and i mean it's still not i mean you don't see a deck like that in the tier one yeah. i was gonna see it. it makes them playable but it does usually one there's usually one best coco deck that is actually tournament playable yeah yeah one or one or two maximum yeah so it's it's interesting because uh, this also kind of brings us to the schism between the ladder player and the tournament player. Indeed, you know these these and and I think arena is a platform that really highlights that because if the numbers are to be trusted, a majority of arena players are casual players, and their experience of Magic is going to be extremely different than the top level pros looking to you know gain that half a percent or one percent edge in the upcoming uh, tournament so um there really are two different groups of players with two different sets of priorities which is why you see casual players complaining so much about things like tybalt's trickery and rogues when pro players kind of don't give that a second thought you know so i think that that's the deeper question here is for whom are these formats ultimately designed and yeah i think historic is kind of the historic is kind of the unicorn format right i think of historic as being like a psychedelic rainbow format in which anything can be possible on any given day and wizard seems to have staked out no they've made like no claim as to what they think the format should be 
I, I want to ask you a question because you brought up the very interesting like differences between the pros and the casual players who there are usually more of and how you can tell them apart by what they complain about. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> very interesting. Um, who should the ban list cater to? Yeah, it, it is a really great question. Okay, so ultimately, I I feel like Wizards lately has been paying a little bit more attention to the casual player in their ban list updates. Um, I mean, the, the Oro banning is a classic example. I think if you lined up a bunch of pros, um, they would probably be a little bit more like 50-50 on whether a card like Oro should be banned. I think the casual player is more likely to just be like, F that card, get it out of my format. Um, and so I like the idea that Wizards is moving more to in the direction, slowly, gradually, um, incrementally moving in the direction of making bands that affect casual players more. I think that that's basically a value added because, okay, let's say that they did ban Tybalt's Trickery from Standard and from Historic. So pro-level players might roll their eyes and be like, whatever, that card didn't matter, what are we doing here, right? But then like a, just a vast, just, you know, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of players on the platform might like wipe their forehead and go, oh, thank God, I don't have to deal with that crap anymore. I can get back to playing whatever fun magic deck I wanted to play on the ladder today and not have to deal with that. And it's basically, it hurts no one and and millions of people are happy about it at the end, right? So yep. I think yep. that something like that, I, I'm, I, I don't know, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of bands like that. I think that they end up being net positive. I mean, of course, you, you can't do it too much because you don't want to decrease faith. You know, I mean, it's, it feels bad if you were the casual player who put together your Tybalt's Trickery deck and you liked trickerying people and all of a sudden you've invested, you know, you've invested these mythic wild cards in a couple of coma world serpents that are going to be laughably unplayable in any other magic deck in the history of ever. And uh, they ban your Tybalt's Trickery and, and all of a sudden you're saddled with all of these stupid unplayable cards that you don't want to play with. Uh, so that's that's kind of a feels bad, but um, I, I don't know. I I like I perceive that, and I hope they continue moving in the direction of catering their bands a little bit more towards the casual players. I think that's ultimately a net positive for the game. I agree. I think that entrenched pros, uh, uh, or maybe they I don't know if they still even call themselves that, but <laughs> I I think the super entrenched tournament players are going to play no matter what they complain about. <laughs> Indeed. because it's just part of their life and if they drop off more kind of rise to take the place because there's always casual players interested in tournament play but not in the end really feeling like it's for them um so and also i think it's such a small part of magic it, it it's hard to see that when you're in that community but it is such a small part of magic compared to the casual fan base so i think the better experience is for the casual player is should be more important and maybe they're leaning that way because we remember when they banned cauldron familiar and people yeah. were like whoa like that or, and they banned wilderness reclamation and teferi and growth spiral a month before they would rotate anyway and it's like whoa they actually really want us to keep playing and as weird as it is like 
I, I, I see people complaining constantly about something like Rogues. And I understand very well that Rogues is a deck that you can beat, that you can metagame to beat. It's a strong deck with weaknesses, and it shouldn't be taking over a format. But the casual player doesn't like the experience, even when they win. That that's the in, As a person who makes a video and usually plays against Rogues every day of my life and releases that video, there are people who turn off the video just because my opponent is rogues. They don't stay to see if I win, mm, yeah, <laughs> which is yeah. which is kind of like, oh my gosh, they can't even bear to watch it. And like, it, it could be the best game they never saw. And they were already like 15 minutes into the video and they're like, peace. I just, I don't want to see cards go in the graveyard. It takes forever. Boring, lame. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if we saw something bizarre like Rune Crab getting banned like a month or two before it would rotate, you know? That wouldn't shock me the way that things have gone. That that's a really good comparison, actually. Like Cauldron Familia and Ruin Crab, they kind of occupy the same space in the meta game. And yeah, I I think that you're right. I think that a deck like Rogues, I think it would be wrong to ban a deck of, of you know gut basically hobble slow down a deck like Rogues too early in a format because it was clearly designed to be one of the one of the end caps of the format. And I think that you do substantially damage your standard format by taking out one of those decks just because it's annoying to play against. But I, but but the calculus is good, right? Where they get to a certain point in the meta game, there's just the yawn factor. And I think that's part of why they banned Oro. It's just that it was making Historic feel like a yawn. And, you know, I so I think that it is wise if they get to a certain point in the standard format and rogues just becomes the yawn deck and it becomes the reason that people don't want to play in the play queue anymore they you know they run into it too much in one of the tiers and ranked and they just want to shut down arena and so i i think i totally agree that it's good to keep keep an eye on decks like that and if they're just too dominant for too long and too annoying to play against just switch it up i i think that's a net positive for the game there's there's also just an there's a secret hidden economic incentive for wizards here. If you're in the play queue and your opponent turn one rune crabs and you just scoop because there's no stakes, that is dailies getting done faster, more gold hitting the system with less effort. <laughs> I guess that's true. <laughs> how much gold? How much gold do you think is handed out per day because people are scooping on turn one to rune crabs or turn two to trickeries? That's a good I point. I bet the numbers would. I bet the yeah. numbers would surprise you. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point. And I mean, how much money are they losing by people just rage quitting? You know, like, like think about those days. I know this has happened to everyone where you sit down and you're like. I'm excited about playing Magic today. I'm going to play for an indeterminate amount of time. And then like 20 minutes in, you just rage quit and go do something else because, you know, you played against rogues three times in a row or whatever. So, you know, Arena definitely does, you know, Wizards does not want you to be doing that. So they have a vested interest in the game staying fun for you. And so, you know, I I do think that we're going to continue to see bands that look like this, that try to preserve the fun of the game, probably a lot later than a lot of people thought they should happen you know you have your you have your like coven of of scoot swarm deniers who are just waiting for that card to get banned and i got news for you folks it might be a while might be a while before scoot swarm vanishes from the play queue but um you know but i think that yeah i i it's it's ultimately a good direction for them to take and so it's really a question of timing and yeah i don't know 
don't be surprised uh, to see what feels like sneaky timing too, because just like we had Euroband right after Omnath was released as kind of the, okay, it's been in standard for six months and here's the new villain of the format, but we'll ban Euro. See, we're paying attention. It's, it's not part of a plan or anything. Here we are right after Kaldheim's release. A bunch of formats turned on their head by Tybalt and Tybalt's trickery. What happens? Guys, see? We're paying attention. We're your friends. We're just banning Uro in all those formats that we probably should have banned him in. Here's my question. Interesting, isn't it? Here's my question, CGB. So Uro was a sacrificial lamb in preceding the ban of Omnath and Standard. Do you think that we're going to have like a Moxus ban or something else happening soon in Historic and that Uro is kind of like a, a harbinger of that sea change? It's possible. I don't think it's as clear. I think Omnath was easily one of the most broken cards we've ever seen yeah. from the moment we, that anybody took the time to read it. And I don't think that that exists But uh, in um, Kaldheim. But I, Tybalt and Tybalt's Trickery have turned things upside down. And yeah, lurking in this ban announcement, Trickery did actually get banned within a week of release in a format. So this might just be the new way it is. The card that was pushed to the breaking point, but not banned, gets banned shortly after a release to give the other card time and let it look like, you know, there's a plan in motion. But, you know, the next thing might be on the chopping block with the next set's release. You just, it, it's kind of, it's the cycle. Oh, uh, it's the fall guy. It's the fall guy. <laughs> oh yeah, it's the cycle. And you know, the brain tries to make sense of things the third time I've said it today. Yeah, yeah. It, well, we here on the Arena Craft Podcast will continue to wade through the philosophical quandaries presented by Wizards of the Coast. And I think that's going to wrap up our discussion of this banning for today. We, uh, we got pretty philosophical there, CGB. I have something else I want to hit if we're done with ban talk. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. Go for it. Okay, ho- hopefully it'll be quick. Maybe it could be an episode, but we can always come back to it. Um, so I have a showdown tomorrow with Alias. And we decided to ban the entire set of Eldraine for our showdown. Mm. So we're idea. going to be. So I've been building decks without Eldraine cards. I'm starting to believe that the Eldraine, that Eld, what's left of Eldraine isn't that oppressive, dude. And I'm I like building decks without Eldraine cards. The decks are way more powerful than I thought they would be, dude. You know what's a prime example? Salty Ultimatum. It is that almost deck, Eldrainless. You know yep. the main the main cards in that deck that that aren't in the sideboard. They're Eldrain cards are the uh, Fabled Passage. Yeah, let, yep. uh, let me get you some more. Um, and, and by the way, that was printed in M twenty one. So Fabled Passage is oh, that's right. Showdown. That's right. I forgot. And, and so another one, White Aggro. The like the yeah. deck that just won the F2K Invitational yesterday, the only thing I had to take out of it was a Castle Ardenvale, one copy. Wow. Because it's a faceless, ha- a faceless Haven deck. So they weren't running Giant Killer, is that right? And there were two Giant Killers. That okay. was the other thing. Yeah, and I one. also, I'm a Hushbringer. Like, I put Hushbringer either in the deck or sideboard. That had to go. Got it. But that's not much. No. That... I mean, the deck is very much doing its thing. And in some metas, you don't want the Giant Killer or the Hushbringer. Yeah. So that deck is mostly untouched. And what I found going through and building decks, like the only things that were taking hits were green and red. 
green and red aggressive decks. <laughs> yeah. And you know what they have now? Showdown. Like, they pivoted yeah. from Henge strategies into Showdown strategies and Embercleave strategies into Showdown strategies very cleanly. Uh, yeah. So the biggest losses now are Bonecrusher Giant, Lovestruck Beast, and you might say, like, Robber of the Rich, Embercleave, and the Great Henge. But other than that, there isn't much from Eldrain left to be mad at. It, Rogues is still really good. You can take out the into the story, and you can take out the drown in the lock, and you still have of one mind, and you still have didn't say not uh, no not didn't say please uh, like saw it coming, and mm. um, you know there's it, it still does what it came to do. It's a mm. little toned down, but it's still really freaking annoying. <laughs> That's that's an interesting question right there. Do you think if they just remove, let's say they banned into the story to try to give the format a little bit more longevity, do you think that rogues would still be a tier one deck? Maybe not tier one, but like good. It mm-hmm. would still be very good. I, I think in a heartbeat it would be like, all right, maybe we get off the Luris train and we do some Zareth Sand. And maybe that's the way the deck was always envisioned instead of being this endless control grind fest. Uh, but that deck would still be very good. I mean, I'm remembering back to the early days of the Zendikar Rising meta where Rogues was actually quite competitive before anyone had you know, necessarily discovered. I think it was Seth Manfield who really made that big breakthrough with Into the Story, right? So the deck was still getting some results, even in spite of that. Yeah, the more aggressive version. Exactly, yeah. But it was definitely like a full full step down in power level, I would say, from, from these Into the Story builds. I will say Magic feels a lot more interesting without Adventure. Because yeah. one of the weird things about the adventure cards is you just have to... They're they're so omnipresent, there's no reason not to run them, that everything revolves around them. Every creature or play that is victim to a bone crusher giant must be avoided. Every time the opponent is setting up their lovestruck beast, you must have a way around or through it. Every time you could get blown out of bra- by a brazen borrower, you probably will. So it, it was really interesting not having to build or think about those constraints and see where you could take your decks. I have a really sweet Naya Showdown of the Skulls aggro landfall Toski deck that Mm. uh, should be a lot of fun, as well as white aggro. I have a mono blue taking turns deck with four discontinuity and four all runs epiphany. (laughs) Oh, snap. Uh. I'm not going to, I'm going to lose a friend in this showdown. Well, I mean, I I think that's fantastic. I'm really glad that you're highlighting this um, to, you know, potentially give pause to the yapping mouths who just can't, who can't stop complaining about Throne. Here's a question, though. How much of this do you think is us literally like searing, just searing into our neural pathways, all of the various ways that we've had to adapt to win in a throne meta game, do you think that people have just leveled up enough and we've just had enough experience with all of the cards and we've managed to big brain it enough that we're now a lot more confident in playing against these overpowered throne of Eldraine cards? Do you think that that's part of it? Like oh, Maybe we were always supposed to get there. Right. I, I guess what I'm asking is like, have we been overcompensating is, is what I'm asking. I I don't know. I 
I think that's obviously going to vary, but I think the community in general really wants to complain and wants to have a villain. And at this point, Eldraine is such an easy target uh, that you may as well go after it. I I think that both, like I said, there's really the the red and green decks are kind of hanging on, and I. I, I've seen them getting smashed by like this white aggro deck. I saw an Eldraine rich gruelist get disassembled by mono red over the weekend, which I would have told you a few weeks ago would have never happened. Mm. Um, so what, in casting some of these matchups and watching the Sultai ultimatum deck play binding and then blink binding and then put like 14 mana worth of stuff into play, it's like maybe maybe it's not maybe that it's not the villain it used to be. Yeah. But if you want to hate it to get you through the day, go ahead. <laughs> I mean, it would be nice, wouldn't it, to not have to deal with a three-mana 5-5 five, five in your calculus around how you build your decks in the format. Or a one-mana draw engine. Yeah. I, I think anybody exactly. who gets run out of the anybody who gets run out of the barn by a two or three innkeeper draw doesn't really like Eldraine at all. Yep, yep. It's it's a really good point. But I mean I I like it, and I think that it does. For me, the Sultai Ultimatum deck was the first deck that I looked at where I was like, oh, there's life after Eldraine. Because yeah. I, I was just, I was looking through my list, I was like, man, the best Eldraine card in my list is probably Mystical Dispute. And that was really like, a, that was a head explode moment for me. Um, I think that, I think that people have downplayed the power of sets like Theros Beyond Death and like Ikaria. I think that those are two sets that have surprisingly deep card pools. Also M21, honestly. You know, yeah. if you think about like M21 has contributed so many powerful cards, like Eliminate, perfect example of just like a totally meta-defining card from M21. It's somewhat heartbreaking that those will all leave together too. Yeah, that's a really good They'll, point. Yeah, those sets will never get to exist outside of Eldraine. Yeah, Eldraine standard. Yeah, they'll they'll take Ugin with them. Rip to the blind eternities. <laughs> yep. Uh, some people won't, are are saying get out, but I, I will. I'll you know. I think we all had a good nostalgic run with Ugin for a minute. Maybe some people never got that feel, but come on, man, eight mana. And here's Fine. the other thing, man. Who has not? I mean, who has not cackled maniacally just like drawing a million cards off of their innkeeper or smashing their opponent's face with an Emmercleave or drawing a million cards off of the Great Henge or etc. etc. I mean, it's easy to complain about Throne of Eldraine, but like, man, I've had some good times with that set. The stuff I've done with the Fires of Invention on the battlefield. I mean, I, yeah. you can see it, it's a little bit like you can you can defend a little bit the fire, uh, you know, design direction of Watsi. When you think about some of these cards, they just have been really fun. You know, like they've they've done powerful things. Some of them have been disgusting. Some of them have just been really exciting and quite skill testing as well. So I think that sometimes we lose that in the conversation around sets like Throne of Eldraine. Yeah. Yeah, a, a moment of appreciation for the nonsense of turning every large and interesting creature into an elk. <laughs> I I played a lot of Oko, man. That's all I'm going to say. Played a lot of you? Oko. Why the heck wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? And I'm also just a dirty Simic mage, so the truth is revealed. All right, well, is that a good place for us to wrap it up, CGB? 
I think so. All right, all right. Well, uh, since we are releasing this on an emergency basis, it sounds like that's a great uh, great invitation for everyone listening to go watch CGB play in this Eldraine-less format with Alias tomorrow. What time is that happening? 3 p.m. Eastern. If you miss it, there will be a VOD okay. on Twitch. Okay, excellent. So are you going to, might you release it as a video on your YouTube channel? Probably not on YouTube okay. because specialized, like, self-created formats rarely do well. People on my channel are used to seeing ways to dominate the ladder. They're not going to do that if there's no Eldraine. So, sure. sure. Okay, so tune in to twitch.tv forward slash blue to check those out. Uh, all right, well, thanks so much, Crafties, and we'll be back to our regular content next Monday to discover everything there is to know about the world of constructed magic in Magic Arena. Catch you then, CGB. Later. <laughs>